Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history to make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 15th edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year, and it's also the first of the 2020 spring semester, we'll take a look at the activities and events the college has planned to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which will be celebrated on Monday, January 20. Sports Information Director Dan Nolan will catch us up on everything that's happened in Fighting Scots Athletics since the conclusion of the fall semester, and we'll have a special appreciation of former Monmouth President Bruce Haywood with college historian and editor Jeff Franken. The community is invited to celebrate this year's Martin Luther King Jr. Day at Monmouth College. The college will commemorate Dr. King's legacy with a convocation at noon on Monday, January 20 in Dahl Chapel and Auditorium. The event, which will feature a keynote by a nationally known poet and spoken word artist, Harold Green of Chicago, is free and open to the public. It will be followed by a day of service. Joining us to talk about this special day the college has planned to honor the spirit of the late civil rights leader is Director for Multicultural Student Services Regina Johnson and Assistant Director of Leadership Development and Service Jake McLean. Regina says the day will begin with a convocation that will feature the return of a popular spoken word artist to campus. Martin Luther King Day convocation this year, um, which has become a very big event on campus, is going to be including Harold Green, who is a spoken word artist from Chicago. He was on campus early in the fall. Um, Students loved him. He's amazing. Um, He's very deep, very thoughtful. Spoken word is uh, very moving, and when we discussed what type of um, speaker we wanted to bring back for the convocation, um, he came to mind. Um, His message is everything that um, embodies King, and and he as a person is that character. Um, So he is very compassionate, very compelling, um, and very moving, and so... Definitely thought it was appropriate to ask him back on campus to do the convocation. Regina says that Mama students will also participate in the Martin Luther King Jr. Day convocation. Time we will also have CVOP praise dancers. Uh, they were part of the convocation a year ago and did a wonderful job. Um, it gives our students the opportunity um, to be part of it. Um, we have two students that are the MCs for the event um, Drew Thaxton, who is a junior on the uh, football team. Um, so it's always good to have our athletes involved. And Deja Myers, who is a member of our women's track and field team, um, she will be singing as well as MC seeing. Um, So just a really good group of people um, behind the scenes for the convocation this year. Following the convocation, Monmouth will hold its second day of service on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Leading that initiative will be Assistant Director of Leadership Development and Service Jake McLean. 
Jake says a day of service is another great way to honor Dr. King's legacy. This January actually marks the 25th uh, anniversary of the Day of Service. Uh, it's a national movement uh, where we consider uh, it a day on, not a day off. And so we'll send students, faculty, and staff out into the community. We'll have events on campus, uh, service events on campus, off campus uh, for people to get involved in. So the Day of Service as a national movement for Martin Luther King Day is a celebration of uh, Martin Luther King's life and legacy. And so uh, in that giving spirit of giving back to the community, improving our communities, uh, we want everybody uh, in, certainly on our campus, but everywhere to be able to give back and improve their communities uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. did. And Jake says that he hopes the Day of Service will lead to bigger and better things for members of the Monmouth community. I think about our campus community, certainly, but our the town of Monmouth. Uh, this was my community as a student for four years. Uh, it's where I've uh, called my professional home for the last four. And, uh, you know, any day that we can use to uh, give back to that community that means so much to me, uh, that's a big deal. As Regina points out, one of the reasons Martin Luther King Jr. Day is an important celebration in America is because King's values were timeless. Ethical treatment of all, um, embodiment of, um, of, of, of spirit, a giving spirit, um, reflective thinking, civic and social justice. Um, Martin Luther King Day to me is an opportunity to remember why we have the civil rights that we have. Um, as someone who has a degree in history and has a, um, you know, a, a very, a very passionate spot about that period in time. Uh, I think it is a reminder to us on how we need to treat people, um, how we need to live our lives, and um, the things and the social justice work that still needs to be done, um, both on our campus and in the, in, in the wider community. That's Director for Multicultural Student Services, Regina Johnson, you also heard from Assistant Director of Leadership Development and Service, Jake McLean. They were talking about Mama's plans to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which will be observed on this Monday, January 20. To read more about the activities and events that are planned, check out the news story on the cover of the Mammoth website, and that address is mammothcollege.edu. It was a very active winter break for Monmouth's athletics department. Both the men's and women's basketball teams were busy preparing for and starting Midwest Conference play. The swimming and diving team was in training, and indoor track and field was gearing up for what they hope will be a run at another conference title. Joining us to discuss all of that and more is Monmouth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. He's the man who keeps the world informed about Mammoth Athletics because he's the man behind MammothScots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Both Mammoth basketball teams are in the hunt for a regular season Midwest Conference title, and both teams have a big opportunity to move closer to that on Wednesday, January 15, when rival Knox College comes calling for a doubleheader at Glenny Gymnasium. The men's game begins at 5.30 in the evening, and the women's game will follow. Dan says there's a lot on the line in both games. 
Okay, well, Wednesday's a, a really a crucial game, I think, for both teams, men and women. We're talking about the conference races, and there's a log jam on, on both sides, men's and women's. So a uh, very important game for us Wednesday to defend your home court and uh, not only that, uh, knock off a conference team and, and keep your at least keep your place in the standings. After suffering a four-game losing streak, the men's basketball team seems to have turned things around with a pair of recent conference wins. All the more impressive because, as Dan points out, Coach Todd Scribbs' team has done it without the presence of All-American Will Carius, who's been recovering from an injury. Against, uh, Grinnell, uh, at Grinnell, and, and that's the eighth win in nine outings uh, for us against the uh, the Pioneer system. So that was a big win right there. And then on Saturday got the uh, win against Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence had gotten out of the gate pretty quickly, uh, but they had dropped two. So we've really got a log jam on the conference now. St. Norbert uh, is leading the men. But then we've got uh, there's us, uh, Rippon, and Lake Forest all tied at four and two. And then uh, Grinnell and Lawrence at three and three so it's it's really tight uh, anything can happen and and every game is is really critical right now you know right now uh, you know coaches finding that the guys are starting to adjust to not having uh, their All-American in the lineup. And really, when we get to Will back, that's going to make us even better because the guys now are they're finding new roles. They're uh, getting in the confidence that, they hey, we can win without an All-American. And uh, we're getting some unexpected heroes, too. You know, you look at uh, uh, Saturday's game with Lawrence. Uh, Trey Swearingen came off the bench, uh, hit 20 points, career high for him, and I think he was 6 of 8 from three-point range. So uh, the guys were adjusting. They're, they're doing a great job of filling in, and uh, hopefully we can keep the momentum going. Coach Kyle Wilson's women's basketball team received a wake-up call earlier this month with a loss on the road, and Dan says the Scots appear to have received the message loud and clear. Yeah, the, the women, uh, you know, they, they got knocked off at uh, – Grinnell last week. That was a uh, a big win for Grinnell, and it really uh, was a punch in the mouth to us, I think. But uh, coaches always said that's a tough trip to make, and and it uh, just held true. And and right now, you know, we got the uh, win against Lawrence on Saturday. Uh, came uh, really out strong in the fourth quarter and, and uh, blew that one open. Uh, we're in third right now, but it, it's like the minutes. It's tied uh, at the top of the heap as a ripping. They're unbeaten. Cornell has one loss. Uh, we're tied for third with IC and then uh, Knox and Grinnell and Lake Forest are all right there too at three and three so it's really tight and of course the the women uh, have Knox uh, Wednesday night and then they go to IC next Tuesday so uh, it's it's not ever going to be easy for a conference title and, and or even to make the tournament uh, but the women have uh, uh, are hanging in there and all we've got to do is make the four to get in and then uh, hopefully went out and and uh, see if we can get to the NCAs, but the women have, have played pretty well, not quite back to the level they were at the uh, Christmas break when we uh, beat uh, uh, UC Santa Cruz and, and nearly beat number 15 Transylvania. But Coach Tom Burek's swimming and diving team trained down in Florida over winter break, but as Dan points out, don't envy that trip too much because it was all business and preparation for what's now the stretch run of the season. The uh, the swim team just got back from Florida and, and it was it was a tough trip but then it wasn't to uh, going to the the Sunshine State uh, it was tough because they were doing two a days uh, while they were down there uh, dry land training I believe in the afternoon and in the pool in the morning and then they had their uh, training trip meet uh, an all relay meet uh, so they swam more yardage and had more intensity than they had up to this point of the season and and that's why the coach likes it. Uh, 
we come back and uh, we've got a uh, home meet this weekend with uh, Knox. It's our final home meet at one o'clock on Saturday. Uh, but that's all gearing toward the uh, conference meet in February. So uh, we're excited about that. And, you know, coaches had the formula down where we uh, really swim all those season best times and the lifetime best, the records during the conference meet. So uh, we've got a little over a month to, to prepare for that. And Coach Roger Haynes' indoor track and field teams get their season underway this weekend on Saturday, January 18, right here at Monmouth College. Uh, track starts uh, in earnest this Saturday. We host uh, our Midwest Invitational. Usually that's the second meet of the year, uh, but because of the way the calendar fell, uh, that meet that we traditionally uh, open up with, uh, which would have been last week, wasn't happening. So uh, we're opening up at home. And a little bit of a different uh, uh, look this year, uh, the Midwest Conference said, hey, you can start in December if you like with meets, and half of the conference teams have done that. Um, spoke with Coach Haynes about that. He said, we're, we're sticking with what's worked for us. And, and really, we have so many uh, dual sport athletes, but in the fall sports uh, with football and soccer and, and cross country, it really didn't pay dividends or make sense to uh, get them turned around so quickly. Uh, so we're going on a normal plan, and, and the whole key is to uh, be ready for the conference meet coming up uh, in uh, two two months and then the, the spring season in May. So uh, Coach has got the plan. He's uh, added some people to the uh, to the squad. That's Sports Information Director Dan Nolan, the man behind MamaScots.com, your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. To follow all of Monmouth College Athletics on Twitter, go to MC Fighting Scots. And for all of Monmouth College's social media accounts, check out the bottom of the homepage on the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. Bruce Haywood, the 10th president of Monmouth College, who helped expand the college's endowment and lay a foundation for dramatic expansion that took place in the 21st century, died at his home in Galesburg on January 7. He was 94. The longest-serving president in Monmouth's modern history, Haywood came to Monmouth in 1980 when the college's endowment was but $4.4 million. By the time he retired in 1994, Monmouth's endowment had grown to $24 million and the college was poised for dramatic growth. There's a wonderful story about President Haywood's years on the college's website. It's written by my colleague, college historian and editor Jeff Rankin. In fact, he was hired by President Haywood. Jeff says that President Haywood's administration was pivotal in the college's history for a number of reasons. Well, I think Bruce Haywood represented a, an era in, in, of transition in Monmouth College's history where we went from uh, sort of lean times in the 1970s uh, and he spanned that decade of the 1980s where we saw some steady growth and we saw our academic reputation uh, expand quite significantly, especially uh, we, we started uh, appearing in, in the U.S. news uh, polls for best regional colleges. Um, but he also cre created sort of a new uh, ethic as far as fundraising. Uh, we had our first really major capital campaign since the 1960s. Uh, we were able to finally get out from, from some crushing debt and uh, really work on the endowment. He brought uh, the endowment from a, a mere $4 million when he assumed office to about $24 million when he retired in, in uh, 1994. 
Jeff says that President Haywood also had a subtle but profound effect on the students who attended the college during his presidency. So many uh, students uh, remember him. They have personal memories of him. One student posted that she invited, she and her friends invited him to a graduation party, and they were really surprised and impressed that he came. And you know, he he was. I think some people saw him as somewhat austere, and he was very. Uh, with his British accent and his serious attitude, um, maybe a little less approachable, but I think on a personal level, uh, they found that he was uh, not only approachable, but uh, inspirational um, to, to what they could become as, as adults. Jeff says that President Haywood was always proud of what he had achieved, both professionally and especially in terms of becoming an American citizen. Bruce grew up in, in uh, hard times uh, you know, during the Depression, um, lower middle class family. His father was a bus driver, and he really aspired to rise above that. And I think he, uh, during World War II, uh, you know, working in British intelligence, he, he kind of, uh, his, his horizons expanded. And he wanted to sort of get out of, of uh, that, that life that he had lived. So he emigrated to Canada, went to uh, uh, McGill, and he then uh, uh, went to Harvard. And, and he just sort of embraced that whole American uh, pride. And I, I know he was very proud when he finally achieved uh, American citizenship. He just uh, always uh, talked about... America. He didn't talk about England, and um, he, he just uh, he he was American through and through, and um, it was just something that that all was uh, even in in little uh, things. He he tried to uh, make that make his American uh, pride show, and one of those things was in the naming of the Wells Theater in 1990. It was sort of the the one building that he he really personally pushed uh, for construction, and he made sure that it was spelled with the American spelling of theater rather than the British, and that was the only case in in the college's uh, theater department in which it was spelled the American way. In other ways, it was the traditional R-E. As Jeff has observed, Monmouth has always been a place that seems to have the right president at the right time, and Bruce Haywood's administration was yet another example of that. Yeah, it it seems that Monmouth does tend to throughout its history has has tended to uh, find the right president uh, for the, for its current needs. We saw that from day one when when David Wallace came to an institution that basically didn't exist. Uh, there was no no endowment whatsoever, and he really devoted uh, the greatest portion of his life to uh, to getting the college uh, founded. T.H. Uh, McMichael, during the early years of the 20th century, he was president for 33 years. Uh, he really uh, was the person that they needed. He, he had a, he was a, a Monmouth alum and and the son of a president, and he he provided a stabilizing force. And Bruce Haywood um, came at a time when uh, things were uh, were very shaky. Uh, people, I think, were excited to have somebody with his academic background coming from Kenyon College, uh, young, dynamic, vital, um, who could come to Monmouth and sort of give it a, the boost it needed. So he, he really brought uh, both 
stability, but also, I think, a sense that Monmouth was rising above uh, some of the competition that it had faced in the past, and it was really becoming a national liberal arts college. That's college historian and editor Jeff Rankin looking back on the life and career of former Monmouth College president Bruce Haywood. He died on January 7 in his sleep at the age of 94. Be sure to check out Jeff's excellent obituary about President Haywood. It's on the cover of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. And that's going to be a 30 for the 15th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. Thank you.